This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Fourth and final hour, Dennis without Callahan. Jerry on some vacation time. Dale Arnold in his seat. 617-779-0850. Toll free 888-525-0850. On the day of the NBA draft, who would you rather talk to? with perhaps the exception of um, Anthony Davis or Austin Rivers, but uh, our friend Chris Mannix from SINSI.com. Good morning, Chris. How are you? It's Dale and John in Boston. I'm good, guys. How are you doing? Very, very well. Hey, Chris. I was going to be a smart aleck and ask you who is the second best player in the draft, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Anthony Davis, obviously the first best player in the draft by everybody's estimation, head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, New Orleans won 21 games last year. With this guy manning the middle, how many do they win next year? Well, a lot of that depends on on if they're able to sign you know a guy like Eric Gordon. You know, he's going to be you know he's another asset they have sure. down there that they have to figure out. But he is Anthony Davis is a transcendent talent, and he's probably worth by himself ten wins. Hmm. So I can see them winning in the thirty five range um, just with Anthony Davis alone. Now they have a ton of cap space. They just swindled Washington to take a Mecca Okafor and Trevor Reza off their books in exchange for Rashard Lewis, who so they're immediately going to buy out. So they're going to have some room and some flexibility. To, uh, to bring in some more players. But if you're just talking about Anthony Davis with his current roster, I do believe he's worth 10 wins. He's that good. I mean, I, I've heard names like Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan. Uh, you know, th- there are so many positive comparisons with Anthony Davis. And there's one other thing that's going to work in his favor is that he's now training with a guy named Rob McClanahan. And Rob is the guy that trains Russell Westbrook, Kevin, uh, Kevin Love, Al Horford, Derek Rose. These players that work out together every summer with Rob and they seem to get better every single year. Mm. So Anthony Davis working with these guys now in this offseason, he's already a great defensive player, guys, and I think he's going to come in much more polished offensively than people think. A lot of mock drafts, and it's so much fun to look through all of them and see all the different scenarios, but a lot of mock drafts have Austin Rivers landing in New Orleans with the 10th pick. That would be a pretty good situation for him, wouldn't it? That would be a great situation for him, and I think that's a very realistic possibility. Um, you know, Monty Williams obviously has a history with Doc Rivers, uh, a strong friendship there, uh, and they need guard play. And, and nobody's really sure yet what position Austin Rivers is going to translate to be. Is he a point guard? Is he a smallish two guard? But whatever he is, that's a position that the Hornets need. You know, they don't have anyone in that backcourt right now. I mean, trading Chris Paul left that point guard position largely vacant. Uh, Eric Gordon is still uh, unsigned, and, and they're unsure what they want to do with him or how much they're willing to spend on him in the long term. I mean, he would get immediate minutes in that lineup and a chance to develop himself at either one of those guard spots. I mean, if you're looking at the best fit possibly out there for Austin Rivers, playing alongside Anthony Davis in that New Orleans team with that coach is probably the best one. Where do you think he fits best, as a one or a two? You know, it's so hard to say. I I feel like he has point guard skills, but I don't know if he has the point guard mentality. Mm -hmm. And you have to have that. I mean, Rondo, he has the point guard mentality. I mean, he goes out there, he wants to make to make passes, he wants to make his teammates better, he wants to get them buckets on every single time down the floor. Austin Rivers has more of that scoring mentality. Now, that doesn't mean that doesn't exclude him from being a point guard. I mean, look at Derrick Rose, look at Russell Westbrook. These are scoring point guards. So he could still develop 
into that kind of player. The question New Orleans or New Orleans, whoever drafts him is going to have to figure out is if he's got the physique to play the two guard spot. I mean, he's only about six foot four, and that might be being a little bit generous. And guys around that size don't necessarily a like being two guards because of the physical wear and tear it takes in their body, sure. or can do it that effectively. A great example is OJ Mayo, who came out of USC with a lot of fanfare, is is a proven scorer in the NBA, but has yet to find himself a real position because he is only six foot three and doesn't have natural point guard skills. And I think if Austin wants to become a point guard, he has the talent to do it, but he has to commit himself uh, full-time to, to embracing that position and learning it as best he can. Hey, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not sure my memory is serving me correctly here, but when Doc came out, was he not sort of a tweener, like between a one and a two, and they figured out a position for him relatively quickly? He, he was, and he, but he embraced it. He wanted to be more of the playmaker. Right, and right. I, I just think in Austin's mind, and he's good at it. He's a good scorer. I mean, he was, he was a very good scorer at Duke last year. But you can't be that type of guy and still be a point guard. You, you, if, you're, if you're Russell Westbrook, if you're Derrick Rose, and you are that, that transcendent type of talent, that superior talent, then you can get away with it. I think Austin will have to make a decision. Does he, does he, does he want to sacrifice his scoring? Does he want to become more of a playmaker? If he does, I think he can be a very effective point guard because size at that position nowadays is at a premium. You don't have too many point guards anymore in this league that are right around six feet tall but aren't big and physical. Right. From, from Rondo to Kyrie Irving to, Ro- to Westbrook and Rose, all across the board, there are these big point guards out there, and I think Austin Rivers would be a great fit physically for that position. If you were Danny Ainge, Chris Maddox, what would worry you more? Uh, Royce White's fear of flying, Jared Selinger's medicals, or Fab Mello's trick-or-treat kind of play? I would be more worried about Selinger, but to me, it's not about his medicals. I mean, his medicals have become the, the, the topic du jour right now because of that back injury, but he was plummeting on draft boards well before that information was released. I mean, every GM I've talked to, every single one, when I ask them about who the biggest potential first-round lottery bust would be, they say Jared Sollinger. Now, now, that's obviously a reason why he slipped out of the lottery on most draft boards and into a spot like in the early 20s or even the mid-20s uh, in that sort of range. And it's, it's largely because teams don't think he's going to translate to become a good pro. I mean, he doesn't play with a lot of energy out there on the floor at times. He's undersized, obviously. I mean, guys, he keeps comparing himself to Kevin Love, and that, that comparison to me just doesn't make any sense. Because I, I feel like Love was a more skilled player coming out of college, and one thing Love did from day one was that he worked himself into becoming a great player. He worked every single summer. He dropped 25, 30 pounds uh, in the last couple of summers. He, he made himself the player he is today. And I, and I get a feeling from talking to GMs that, they don't feel like Jared Sollinger has that same type of work ethic. So he's the guy that would scare me the most. I mean, there, there are warning signs. I mean, Royce White's story is so bizarre. Uh, you know, Fab Mello is, is inconsistent. But of all the, all the players, Jared Sollinger, uh, because of his undersized and, and the way he plays, he scares me the most. If you're Danny Ainge, does your draft strategy tonight change depending on what happens with, with Kevin Garnett? In other words, if Garnett says on July 1st, you know what, I've had enough NBA, I'm out of here. Wouldn't that change how you, how you approach tonight, or is it the same no matter what? I think it's the same no matter what, because I, I think they're going to try to go big. And, and that's assuming a guy like, say, you know, Kendall Marshall or whoever, or some, some really rapid slider falls, off the, falls to them in their laps that they have to take him. Uh, but I think that, that they're going to go big no matter what. I mean, whether Kevin Garnett returns or it doesn't return, they need size. They need a center. They need a backup power forward. They need some bigs out there. I mean, the guard spots are largely set. And with starters with Avery Bradley and Rondo, they probably could use a backup small forward to groom uh, if they trade Paul Pierce or if Paul, whenever Paul Pierce retires. But I, I, every, every 
per team I talk to, every agent I talk to about the Celtics, it's always centers around big men. And whether that's Melo or Andrew Nicholson or somebody else at that spot that falls down, uh, it's always been about the big men. I, I think they go big with both those draft picks at 20 and 20, with 20 and 21. And I think they take someone that's going to fill those center and power forward spots. Does your crystal ball say Kevin Garnett is back here next year? Look, I've been saying for a while that I think he's going to retire, and I've yet to hear anything that's dissuaded me otherwise. Now, it's it's tough to hear from his friends in, in May and, and, and assume it's going to be the same feeling he has in July, if that makes any sense. Because he's in, when he's in May and he's telling his friends that he's thinking about retiring, as Sam Cassell said publicly, as some of his other friends have told me privately, uh, that, that's different. When he's in May, he's going through the throws of a playoff run. He's playing the center position. His body's obviously fatigued. That mentality might change come July when his body has a chance to rest and, uh, and he gets some separation from the game. But you know, everything I'd heard up until that point was that Garnett did not want to put his body through another 82-game season. Where I think that Danny is right and where, where any other projections are wrong is that if he does play again, it will only be for Boston. There, there is no other team in the league. Mm-hmm. I think that Kevin Garnett will play for. I think it's either the Celtics or retirement. But right now, you know, I, I, again, I still haven't heard anything to dissuade me from my earlier prediction that Kevin Garnett will walk away. If the Celtics get the size they're looking for, or if it eludes them somehow and they have to go to plan B, is there any thought in Danny's mind, do you suspect, Chris Mannix, that he has to start looking for the heir apparent to Paul Pierce if Jeff Green's not that guy? Yeah, I think he does. I, I think he has to start looking at that position. That's why, you know, a small forward could be something. If a small forward slips that far, he could come off the board very quickly. And there are some pretty good small forwards out there. I mean, I don't know what Danny's draft board looks like, but, you know, a kid like Jeff Taylor from Vanderbilt is a very polished guy, a four-year college player, a uh, guy that's been, uh, I look as good as a very solid pro on a lot of people's draft boards. He could be someone that could, Danny could be interested in uh, if he doesn't go, go the size rule. But you have to start thinking about the future. Whether this team remains intact or not with, with Garnett and Pierce, you have to start thinking about uh, what you're going to do down the line. I mean, because Ray Allen is obviously gone. I'm convinced that Ray's going to Miami. I know they're going to put a hardcore recruiting effort into him this summer. They know they can only offer him about $3 million per year, a Shane Battier type of deal uh, for the long term. Uh, but I think they're going to recruit him hard. And I think even if they bring all these guys back, it's going to be so hard to compete with Miami next year to get out of the Eastern Conference that one way or the other, they have to start planning for the future. They have to start looking at guys who could be part of the team for the next five years, not just the next two. Uh, speaking of size, if indeed uh, somebody like a Perry Jones, the six foot eleven kid out of Baylor, is available, is he one of those um, we're not sure where his head is kind of guys? Uh, he, he scares the crap out of me too. Yeah, he why scares, is that? He scares a lot of a lot of GMs because yeah, because he doesn't play with that same type of energy. I mean, he and Sollinger share a lot of the same qualities in the sense that they both stayed in school last year, ostensibly to, to build up their draft stats and get a chance to you know be a higher lottery pick. And both those guys seemingly took steps back. Now Jones in workouts, from what I've been told has not looked all that impressive. His, his skills are there. His athleticism, his shot blocking, there's, there's a raw talent there, much the same way there's a raw talent with Andre Drummond. But teams just have not been impressed with his head. They, they just don't know if he has the type of focus to be a great NBA player. Now, seven-footers don't grow on trees, obviously, but what Jones is, the problem Jones is running into is that he is in a draft where there is a lot of good big men, a lot of good centers, from John Henson to Tyler Zeller, all the way down the list. Uh, you know, guy Andrew Nicholson's a power forward, but Fab Mello as well. So Jones is in the middle of a, a very crowded pack of players at that five spot. But he's, he is a guy where there are a lot of red flags around him. There are teams that are just scared that he doesn't have that mental toughness to be a great NBA player. Is Bradley Beal the best player in this draft, not named Davis? 
Well, I don't, I don't get the whole Bradley Beal fascination. I honestly don't. He, he's regarded as a shooter, but he didn't shoot the ball very well last year. It, it, sort of, it, it sort of bothers my mind. He did have a good shooting postseason in the tournament, but he didn't shoot the ball particularly well during the regular season. I think it's right around 30%. Now, I could be wrong. I mean, the Oklahoma City Thunder are trying to move up to get that number two pick because they love Bradley Beal. And, and far be it for me to ever question Sam Presti because everything he does seems to turn to gold. But I, I don't get the whole Bradley Beal fascination. I mean, for me... A guy like Michael Kidd Gilchrist is a better player than him. Uh, I, I think that uh, Thomas Robinson is, is a better player than him right now. I mean, Beal could turn out to be a decent player, but we keep hearing these Ray Allen type of comparisons, and I just don't get it because Ray was a great shooter in college, and Ray was a different type of player, whereas Bradley Beal has yet to prove he can consistently make a three-point jump shot at the college level. I don't know why we're all assuming it's going to translate to the pro level. Hey, Mannix, we all know that Reggie Jackson was the steal of the draft last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who's the Reggie Jackson this year? I, I kid because I love, but the unheralded guy in this draft, you'll be saying next year, man, what a steal by fill-in-the-blank GM. Well, it, it's going to be tough to. It's tough because when you get to that 20 to 40 range, I think there are going to be a lot of good quality players, a lot of good starters in that range. I think there's just, there's just a lot of talent on the back end of this draft, which is why I think Boston can get value with that 50th pick or the 51st pick as much as they can get with the 21st and 22nd picks. I think there, there's a lot of value right there. I think a steal, it might be too early to call him a steal, but John Henson, the kid from North Carolina, mm. has had some phenomenal workouts. And he's, he's moved himself ahead of Tyler Zella, his teammate at Carolina, on the draft board. I mean, I think Detroit's probably going to snap him up at number nine, but that's a guy that's really risen in the last couple of months. Uh, you know, D- uh, Damian Lillard, the kid from Weber State, who came out of college as, as a scorer. He was viewed maybe as a second-round pick before the Combine. His stats has skyrocketed to the point where he might go as high as number six to Portland. Um, but I do, like I said earlier, I do think that when you get to the 20 to 40 range, this is where you want to be. I think Boston is in a great position with their picks in that range because they're going to be able to get, if they draft correctly, they're going to be able to get guys that could be starters for this team in the next five years. And that's a, that's a position where if you're the Celtics, you really want to be in. Chris, if the planets and stars align for Danny Ainge and the Celtics tonight, and I know this is purely hypothetical and probably no chance of this happening, but if both Terrence Ross and Mo Harkless, two names I've heard that the Celtics are interested in, fall to them, which is the better player? Who do they choose, Ross or Harkless? Well, I, I would still go with the size. I mean, that, that's right. I would go with Harkless. Harkless uh, yep. He's a little bit a little bigger guy, and I think Terrence Ross is a good player. I mean, he's, he's somebody that I think is probably going to be well off the board. Is he like Ray uh, Allen light? He's, I hate comparing guys to Ray Allen because Ray is such a right. he, Ray is so unique. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a different type of player. Where, where I, I think Ross is a good shooter and he's a, I think a capable player at that position. But I like Harkless. I think Harkless has more more talent. And if you do have Kevin Kevin Garnett back, I love the idea of getting a player like Harkless and putting him in Kevin Garnett College for a year mm-hmm. and letting him learn from a guy like Garnett and watching him get better just playing with guys like that. I mean, talking to Avery Bradley in the last year, he told me over and over again how much it meant to him to have Ray, Ray around, have Garnett around. I think a player like Harkless could really, a young player like that who's so young coming to the draft, he could really benefit from playing behind Garnett or around Garnett for one year. Speaking of that, if Garnett comes back and, and the Celtics end up somehow with the guy that's one of the two guys that scares you because of their attitude, Perry Jones or Fab Mello, how long before Kevin Garnett kills one of those two guys? <laughs> hey, well, it'll be pretty quickly. I mean, he doesn't have much of a tolerance for rookies, that's right, for sure. I, right. mean, I remember talking to J.R. Giddens about how Garnett used to treat rookies, and he used to be just brutal on them all the time. But look, one thing you know about Garnett is that he recognizes talent. And if both those guys come in with a good attitude and they come in willing to learn, I think Garnett would embrace them. I really do. And I, I think he's, he's comfortable 
in some ways in that mentor role. He really was a mentor to Kendrick Perkins, even though Perkins wasn't playing his position. Mm. He helped a guy like Perkins get much better and become the player he is right now. I really believe he can have the same type of influence on, on one of the players, the big man that comes in uh, in the draft in this season. I mean, it always reminds me of the draft where they, they didn't draft DeAndre Jordan a few years back. I thought that was one of the biggest mistakes the Celtics made. Because having DeAndre Jordan, having him go to Kevin Garnett College and play behind Kendrick Perkins, I feel like he would have been a much better player and a cornerstone player for a team like Boston today. One of the mock drafts that I saw this morning had the uh, Celtics taking Terrence Jones out of Kentucky. Do you like that? I know. I, I don't like that especially. I, I think that should go bigger. I really do. I, I, I think there's a lot of good talent at those, those swing-type positions. Uh, I, I think that going for a center is still their best option right now. I feel like, you know, as much as we dislike Fab Mello, as much as he's, he's had such an up-and-down uh, sort of career at Syracuse and he wasn't, he wasn't the, the consistent player we all thought he was going to be, he is a legit five. I mean, he is a monster at that five spot. He can block shots. He can do everything you want in a center. And I think over the next few years, he's going to be able to develop. Terrence Jones, I think, can be a pretty good player, but I, don't, I just don't like his, his potential as much as I like a Fab Mellows. Are you as wowed by many, by the Royce White athleticism? One of his coaches in college compared him to LeBron James. <laughs> uh, he's, he's freakish, that's for sure. I mean, yeah, that guy's such a personality and such a bizarre story uh, with the whole fear of flying thing. And, and his, his, but he's, he is a guy that could, he could be one of the most, here's a way to describe Royce White. He could be one of the most fluctuating guys on the board. He could go as high as number 11, or he could fall all the way down to 27 or 28. I, I just don't get what a lot of GMs are thinking with him. I mean, I, I've talked to several that say they like him a lot, but not a single one that has put him number one on their draft board. So he could be just wildly fluctuating the draft. He could be one of the, the higher lottery picks to a, someone that falls into the mid-20s. He may be in the Celtics' lap at 22. All right, so we're talking about him at 21-22. If it weren't for the anxiety issues, where would he be? No, I, I don't think the anxiety issues concern teams all that much. I mean, it's a great storyline, no question about it, but I think they look at him as a player first and foremost. And I think what Royce has done in this draft, you know, when flying to different locations, yes, he's had some, some sporadic moments where he's had to cancel workouts here and there, but by and large, he's flown to workouts. He's been at these, uh, worked out for these teams. He's been present and, and accounted for in various types of situations. I, I think he's answered a lot of those questions. So I think what it comes down to is where teams see him fitting in. They think he can be you know, a swing man for their future. If they do, I don't think that the anxiety issues are going to hold up a team from drafting him. Do you think Danny uh, is going to stay put uh, at 21 and 22? I think he will. Yeah. I, I haven't heard any of the teams in the, in the lottery, and I've talked to pretty much every one of them. I haven't heard them talking about making a deal with Boston. Now, again, Toronto, I mean, uh, uh, the Bobcats are really interesting because they definitely want to move down, and they want to see if they can get as many assets as they can. Mm. And Boston has a lot of them. They're, they are like Cleveland. They are like Houston, where they have multiple first-round picks and a pick in the second round. Now, again, I have not heard the Celtics associated with that number two pick, but if they were ever interested in it, I think Charlotte would be interested in talking to them about that selection because they, Charlotte knows that their team is just – they have more holes in the Titanic. Sure. They are just hemorrhaging uh, you know, roster spots over there. I think they're interested in acquiring more assets, and I think a team like Boston, if they put together an offer, could really interest them. All right, so that, that begs an interesting question then. Let's just pretend. Let's have some fun here. That somehow, someway, Charlotte and Boston make a, make a trade, and the Celtics pick number two. Who's their guy? I think it's Thomas Robinson. I, I think he's, you know, he's a bona fide power forward. He's probably the closest sure thing you have in the draft. Put up great numbers last year at Kansas. And even if you have Garnett in the fold, mm. I think Robinson could be a guy that could learn from him for a year and step in and be a starter 
for your team next year. I mean, there, there are other guys you like. I mean, Kid Gilchrist could be that guy we were talking about earlier where he'd play behind Paul Pierce, maybe take over the role from him in a couple of years. I mean, Andre Drummond has maybe the biggest upside, and I hate using that word, but he probably does have the biggest upside of any player out there because he's such a, an athletic freak and a seven-footer. But he's a lot like Perry Jones right. in the sense that he's not a sure thing of any stretch of the imagination. So I think that Robinson would be the Celtics' ticket number two if they could make that kind of deal. How long after this draft do we start hearing the Doc Rivers is going to coach X, let's say New Orleans, or wherever it is Austin Rivers goes to play? How long before we start hearing those rumors? No, I don't think we're ever going to hear that. I mean, that, I mean, I think Doc is just is too too locked in uh, to this team and that contract. I mean, look, he goes to New Orleans. You know, Monty Williams is there entrenched in that situation. He's not going anywhere. I mean, the only situation I think that might be appealing for Doc Rivers is if somehow Orlando got their hands on Austin Rivers, and he could go back home and coach there on a team that you know has a good, good young general manager in place, uh, where he has a history at. That's really the only situation where I think there would be legitimate speculation for Doc Rivers to return to. Other than that, uh, you know, I, I think he, he wishes Austin well. He stays in touch with them all the time, obviously, but I don't think he goes out down and coaches them. All right, final question, and we'll spend it on Austin Rivers. I've seen him as high as 10 to New Orleans and as low as 17 to Dallas. Does he go to 17? No, he doesn't get to 17. Now, I forget who's in the middle there, but, uh, you know, it could be a team like Phoenix that drafts him. I mean, Phoenix, they're, they're looking at guys like Jeremy Lamb and Deion Waiters, but if Austin Rivers slips to him, them at number 10, he's just the type of player that they're looking for. Again, he's a lot, they're a lot like New Orleans right. in the sense that they need a dynamic scoring combination type guard, and Austin Rivers could have the same type of impact there. He could play both guard positions. If Steve Nash departs, he could take over as a starter at that spot, and he could put up some monster video game-like numbers playing in that system. That in New Orleans, to me, seemed like the best fit for Austin Rivers. As always, Chris Mannix, a font of basketball information for the Denison Callahan program. Appreciate the time, Chris. Enjoy the day. We'll talk to you down the road. Any guys, time, guys. Uh, SI.com's Chris. Chris Mannix with Denison Callahan. Quick timeout. More of your phone calls. DNC. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.